And in this big circle that is a property is of course all things insurance and you know, I always say that of, more often than not insurance is one of those things that um, I certainly feel I, I, there are instances where I feel I'm overinsured uh, but I'd rather be slightly overinsured than find myself not being adequately insured especially in a time of crisis and this evening we're going to be looking at insurance in the property sector and looking at how do you ensure that you are comprehensively and adequately covered, whether you're a landlord, whether you're a home a homeowner, or even a tenant? What are some of the uh, products or what do you need to make sure um, you are aware of when it comes to your insurance uh, policies and making sure that you're ad adequately covered? Because I think one of the things that uh, some of the activity 
activity that we've seen in the country in the past few days has made us realize is that you, you, I've certainly, you know, had to go back and check, okay, you know, we've seen disaster happening, we've seen um, all kinds of activity in different parts of, you know, the country, and there's this conversation around insurance and who's going to cover what, and, you know, even the joke around the, you know, the insurance companies who are looking at all the chaos and thinking, oh, my word, uh, we're certainly going to have to be covering quite a lot of claims. And I think for me, I've sort of looked back, taken a step back and wondered, am I adequately insured in case of emergencies? And this is across insurance products. So it isn't just my property looking even at my vehicle. Uh, is it adequately insured? Is it comprehensive? Is it third-party insurance? Um, and even, you know, live cover, am I adequately insured? But this evening, we're going to focus a lot, of course, on our property and making sure that we're adequately insured. And every time we talk insurance, we love bringing in uh, Michael Addison, who, of course, is the owner at AdShaw. Mike, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us again on the show. Good evening. Great to be here again. It's always such a pleasure to have you, Mike. And I think one of the great things about you and the wealth of knowledge that you have within the, you know, within the, the insurance sector is that we're really able to get a good sense of even some of the things that we probably weren't, weren't aware we need to be mindful of when it comes to our insurance issues. And, and I, want, I want our starting point to be, so you're a homeowner and, and, and we can create different scenarios as we go along because sometimes with your homeowner, the property is still bonded. Your homeowner, maybe your property is not bonded or your homeowner, you're living in a sectional type of community or a freestanding community. I think besides whether your property is financed or not financed and, and you know, whether it's a freestanding or you're living in a sectional type of community, when it comes to insuring our property, what, what is the fundamental thing that cuts across all these threads that we first just need to be um, aware of before we look at, okay, now yours is bonded or yours is freestanding. So you're also actually going to need uh, this additional cover or this element uh, when you consider insurance. No, it's a good question. The one of the, I've always said the, the starting point is always the sum insured. Um, always make sure that you do have enough cover. The sum insured is the amount that your building needs to be replaced. Last time we, we spoke, we actually spoke about this very topic in, in quite a lot of detail. But, but the bottom line is, you know, if you look at it, when your policy renews every year, don't just cast aside the document. Have a, have a good look over it um, and, you know, speak to somebody if you need to. Um, your broker is actually the person to speak to. But if I'm looking broadly here, you know, if it's just come from the bank, you've got this email PDF document that you open up and this is really boring stuff and you just cast it aside. Um, I would recommend that you really look at the sum insured at least. Uh, just make sure because your bank is only interested in the amount that they're lending you. So if they've lent you 800,000 Rand, you know, a few years ago, and you're now, you know, a little bit of inflation has taken place, maybe you should be insuring your place for 2 million Rand. And you're still only insured for eight hundred thousand, and you're not worried about it because ugh, the bank's taking care. No, don't look at it properly. You know, do your little calculation. Um, you know, look at your square meterage. Uh, I always say for the. I'm talking about an average house now. You know, say my house is you know two hundred square meters. Multiply that by a good nine thousand rand a square meter if you're an ordinary typical house or townhouse um, and then add another 30% for all the other bits and 
pieces that I've mentioned before, that's your professional fees, demolition, and value-added tax. Um, and then compare that. Do I call it a back-of-the-cigarette box estimation. Do your back-of-the-cigarette box estimation and see um, whether it matches. Oh, no, it doesn't. And then phone your broker or your bank and have them up the figure. You'll be surprised um, that it's it's fairly low premium. I mean, in, I'm using, you know, actually fairly conservative rates for for even sectional title and it's not far off for some of these bond type of rates um you know we're looking at about 10 rand per hundred thousand i always use that sort of figure 100 rand per yeah call it per million so if you've got a million rand covered it's only going to cost you maybe a hundred you know in some houses maybe 200 rand a month and that's a much lower rate um, per 100,000 rand than you would pay for your contents of your house. So for the building, for the buildings which are so important, you know, get that cover in place because when that calamity comes, and unfortunately, I mean, we sadly, we try to stay on the positive side of things over the last few days, um, but the reality is that the country is uh, having experience, especially in KZN, um, some serious trouble um, with property insurance. Um, and, um, you know, we're all putting our heads together of, of what we should have done or what we are doing now. Um, and it, it's in times like these where you think, well, um, do I, is my house actually insured for enough? Because if you're insured for half its value and there's a claim, they're going to pay half the claim. And, and you don't want that. Um, so, yes. The other thing is to check. And this is the, I mean, I've been inundated with these questions over the last few days. Do we have SASRIA cover? Now, SASRIA cover is a South African special risks um, insurance, um, which comes from many years ago. It comes from uh, our past life. Um, I don't like to say that it's one good thing that came from the past, but it, it's from 1976 um, around about um, when there was a lot of unrest in South Africa insurance companies and government, whoever they were at the time, I was still at school in those days, believe it or not, um, the, the insurance industry and the and the government uh, formed SASRIA, which is an insurance company, for unrest. Because typically, um, unrest is not covered uh, under a normal policy. You go to any other country and you have a problem like they have in Durban, well, there's probably no insurance cover. But... Um, but South Africa is actually quite unique there. We actually do have a very strong cover. And believe it or not, SASRIA is actually a SOE. It's a state-owned entity. It's, um, in fact, as far as I know, it's probably the most profitable state-owned entity or the only profitable one around. So um, I always, when I met the managing director of the company a few years ago on a on a roadshow that we were doing for brokers, I said, please keep this one intact. Um, but anyway, um, and, and thank goodness, it's, it's a strong company. Uh, they have got money, and so claims will be paid. And the insurance companies themselves won't actually feel the brunt as much as Sazria, the Sazria fund will. So that's what you've got to do. Sazria, how do you make sure? You actually simply ask your broker. Um, it's actually, you don't have to have it, so don't just think it's there. Um, you might have a policy through a broker, through a policy, and I saw a policy that I don't notice that it was optional. Um, so, you know, I don't like that option. I always stick it in. You know, in, in our company, every single one of our 2,000-odd 
cor uh, buildings that we do sectional title, they're all, every single one has SASRIA cover. Um, but, you know, it might not. So that's a question you ask. Have I got SASRIA cover? And if I haven't, you know, maybe now <laughs> today's the time to go and get it. Um, they're not so keen to add it now because, you know, you don't add fire cover the day the fire comes. But um, the but I see that they, they are. They, I saw um, correspondence from them today that uh, they will look at it. So you, you won't be denied if you come on cover now. Um, or shouldn't be denied. Um, so SASRI is important. And, and SASRI is not only for buildings. It's for your car. Make sure your car's got SASRI cover because if you drive through an area and they stone you to death, well, your car to death, I should say, um, you want to make sure that you've got your SASRIA cover. Okay, so, um, yeah, that's 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 a casing point. There are a few other little bits and pieces, but I think those two are most relevant today. We are this evening taking your questions and comments as we look at insurance in the property sector. I'm joined by Mike Addison, who's an owner at AdSure. And going to your comments at home, we've got Howard McGazzani on Facebook saying it's probably more evident now that insurance is critical with the recent sketches of the disheartening events. And it certainly is, I think. And it's unfortunate that we sometimes learn in times of crisis that we need to be adequately insured. Uh, I think even in some families, you tend to find out that there wasn't, for example, adequate, um, whether it's funeral or life cover in place when, you know, a loved one then passes away and you know, struggle to um, effectively make ends meet. We've got a, a comment here saying, um, you know, do we understand the terms and conditions of our insurance policy? And this is coming from Umata Shingane. Uh, you know, not entirely ignorance, but it's also to blame on my side, but they also need to write them in English. English, because I, I think one, and, and that's this is one of the things that uh, you know, Mike. I know many of us tend to deal with them. I and mean, long contracts in general uh, uh, can be quite a lot, very wordy, very verbose. And 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 I think when we look at insurance um, policies in particular, they're almost, even the short little explainer, even that in itself is still uh, uh, you know quite verbose and, and very technical. That you end up just signing and saying yes, 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 I agree, even though you don't quite have the gist of what you've signed up for. So it, it is one of those things that I almost want to urge insurers. And I know why they do it. Some of my best friends are actuaries, so they actually deal with this stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, another comment from Howard saying, first-time home buyers are always the casualties of terms and conditions. Then experience uh, proves to be a better teacher as we go, or at least fairly um, grasp if there's such a word. And I think it, it, he's correct that first-time home buyers are the ones who tend to not know about the various kinds of cover that they should probably have in place for their property. And I want us to, to look at that now, Mike, because I did say, you know, first you want us to look at it broadly, but now when we look at, um, let's say your property is still bonded and we can break it down to the freestanding property versus the property that's in a sectional title community, what kind of insurance should we have that's obviously comprehensive and is going to adequately cover us? Because I think there's still a lot of... Um, people who don't quite understand which kind of insurance or should you get insured, who's paying for what, uh, especially those who sometimes live in sectional title communities. So can you just shed light on that when it comes to insurance um, in our you know, finance properties and looking at your freestanding versus your sectional title community property? Yeah, sure. So let's let's start with the ordinary homeowner and when i say ordinary homeowner i mean that you're not in a sectional title community 
Um, you could be in a homeowners association, but also on a freestanding plot out there in the suburbs or wherever you are. So you, 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 when you look at your, your risks, I mean, you can really, you can take your whole salary and throw it at insurance if you really want it to be over the top. But, you know, we've got to work within our budgets and, and be reasonable. So it is about affordability. Um, and it's, it's uh, I, I say medical aids, I, I look at that as, as medical risks, for example. And, and the reality is the more you pay, the more cover you can get. So that is a reality. Um, you can't pay the, get the lowest, cheapest premium policy and expect the most comprehensive cover. That, unfortunately, is what people expect, but that is not what happens. The, the reality is that um, you would need a building policy. So a, building, a building's policy, we call it, or a property owner's policy. They've got various names, but essentially it's a building's covering policy or a property owner's policy. And that would cover your buildings for anything that happens to your building. That's not your contents. So uh, your roof gets damaged in a storm or uh, you have a fire in your house or a flood comes and washes away, you know, parts of the building and, and causes a lot of damage, etc. So those events um, would be covered by a buildings policy. And what you find is you would go to your broker, your insurance broker, or you could go to a direct insurer and speak to them on the phone. Uh, obviously, I'm biased towards broking. I always think that a broker is a good idea. If you've got a good broker, um, then that person should be able to understand your needs very well and help you find the right policy. The, the, then you have your contents, so that you need to ensure the contents that go into the house. And a lot of people, especially if they're in a very secure homeowners association, they sometimes cut that, especially in these hard times, because they think, oh, well, they, I can't get burgled. I mean, a secure complex. But you must remember other things can happen. I mean, you can still, your contents can get washed out of your house or burnt out, and that could be devastating. So I would still look at contents. You could maybe lighten the load on the theft side of it a little bit, but I would certainly look at it. Yet I do still see a lot of thefts in high security complexes. The thieves actually come and rent or buy into the complex and then they thieve from within. So I don't think it doesn't happen in a secure complex. So yeah, so the contents and that are, are two important things. And then there are other items like all risks. You know, we haven't got time to go through all of the items, but the, you know, the, your contents and your buildings, they're just two separate issues. But I'm gonna, t I'm touching on that for a reason. And there's, because there's good reason for a, a tenant, um, Zama mentioned to me just before the show, you want me to touch on tenants, what tenants can do. So the, the, and now I'm going to go to sectional title, um, which is you, homeowners policy are, are slightly different because the homeowners cover uh, policy for buildings is only going to be covering the common property. So in a homeowners association, the buildings policy is covering the gates and the walls and the roads and infrastructure, not the individual urban or the properties within that homeowners association. So just watch out for that. If you're in an HOA, a lot of people do forget to actually go and arrange the insurance because they think they're in a body corporate type of insurance environment. In a body corporate environment, very typically, um, you don't have to worry because the trustees have dealt with it. You've, you've, um, you have a broker who should be, know a lot about sectional title. And um, now when the big nonsense happens, 
Now, a lot of what is corporate are wishing they were with a broker that really understands sectional title, unfortunately. So that's that's a big key factor is choosing the broker that's best suited for your environment. Sectional title, work with a broker that specializes in that field. And I, I can give you some examples of why. But what I wanted to take you to was when you're in a sectional title environment, don't think you don't need contents insurance as a tenant. Now, when you're a tenant, <clears throat> You're, you must remember that you're not an owner. Therefore, you're not actually covered by the body corporate's insurance. So whilst you're enjoying all of the rights uh, of living there and you're using the common property, et cetera, et cetera, if there's, say, a fire in a section, you are a tenant. So you're paying rent to be there. Now, if you can't live there, maybe you don't pay rent. But... You, you, you can't expect the body corporate's policy to accommodate you somewhere else. That is something you need to take care of. Now, most contents policies will take care of you there, for example, because now you've been, all your goods are taken away, so they, the, your insurance policy. So what you as a homeowner, on the one hand, need to do, but you as a tenant, on the other hand, you need to look at your needs in terms of your insurance still. The body corporate's insurance is, you, you, you just don't have a right or interest in that policy. So you must just remember that. It's, it's rather awkward sometimes because you have a fire that might affect five or six units all in one block or whatever. And now suddenly, oh, so you're an owner? Okay, fine, you can go down to the local hotel. Oh, you're a tenant. Mm, sorry, shame. Um, and it gets awkward. So, you know, I, my, I urge tenants to, to um, just to make sure that you've got your own insurance in place. And then also your own fixtures. Um, sometimes it becomes debatable as to something that you've added as a fixture, especially if you may be renting something that you quasi-business. You know, you've got your own fixtures. For example, you might be a hairdresser and you're allowed to operate in that environment. Uh, as a hairdresser, and you've now added all sorts of bits and pieces for your hairdressing salon, um, you know, those fixtures may not necessarily be covered by the body corporate insurance. Uh, you know, the house burning down, and Alda, I'm so glad that you you did have insurance in place, and, and I'm assuming that everything is now being sorted, um, because you're also reflecting on, on the value that making sure that you're adequately insured um, effectively brought you. So then, Mac, when we look at, um, you know, is there, would there be typically a difference in a property that is then bonded versus that's not bonded um, in terms of the kind of cover that one would, you know, need to, to have, especially because, I mean, I know one of the, the covers, for example, is around bond protection um, that a lot of the, you know, financiers would have, is that a lot of people, end up cancelling that. So they'll take it up when they need to sign the bond papers um, and they'll sometimes not take it take it up with the financial institution that's financing the property. Uh, but they may take it with, you know, another financial institution. They're able to do that. But when times are tough, like we're seeing now, they then cancel um, that bond cover, which obviously has, you know, uh, potentially devastating effects further down the line. Um, can you just reflect a bit on, you know, the kind of cover that one would have um, in the event where your property is financed versus when it's not financed. Okay, it's exactly the same. Um, actually, the 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 banks um, uh, they used to be a little bit naughtier. Let's say that they're not so naughty anymore. Um, I know this because I was once in my past life a bank manager myself, and we used to do finance and bonds and insurance. Um, so I know the tricks. 
So the banks are in business. Uh, let's not beat around the bush there. And they want to cross-sell other financial products to their clients. So um, and I used to love cross-selling stuff. And the banks have just got to be careful that they don't force somebody to do something. Um, however, as a banker, and I'm looking at it from a banker's point of view now, a banker is going to lend you a million rand. You know, they want to make sure that if something happens, their risk is covered. So they have an interest in making sure that that building is insured. And when you sign your do bond documents, you're actually agreeing that the bank can intervene on the insurance, okay, if you're not insuring it properly. There are certain protocols and certain, let's call it, uh, codes of conduct that they should follow um, and the way they conduct themselves. They shouldn't, for example, force you to take out a certain product with a certain institution. Um, they should give you the option but they should be able to have the right to check that it is adequate for their security. So, yeah, so the banks will want to protect themselves. But what came with that as it evolved um, in the 80s, 1980s, I suppose, it was, a, it was the era when, when this developed into the 1990s, the banks decided, and bank assurance was sort of the big thing in those days. Um, I'm sure it still is. Well, I know it still is, but I'm not involved in that part of it anymore. But they... Um, would bulk things so they would go to an insurance company and they would do a business with an insurance company and negotiate well if you offer us a product for our clients or throughout our whole book we can give you the suite of products and that actually came with a lot of advantages because the banks had buying power and they actually got the insurance companies to give them a product which was very very cost effective for their clients at the same time, it was also um, wider. And when I say wider, they actually, it's the banks that actually you can blame or thank for the fact that geezers are covered because they wanted geezers to be covered, for example. Geezers shouldn't be covered because they're wear and tear, but the banks brought that in. It became a, you know, our product is better than yours type of thing, then you come and have your bond with us. Um, and then the other <clears throat> thing that they brought in was <clears throat> subsidence and landslip. It was very difficult to get subsidence and landslip cover before, but the banks insisted on on wanting that cover, so it was brought in, and and that's why the culture of geezers and subsidence and landslip has found itself into the sectional title environment. So you know, ten out of ten for the banks for that. But more directly to answer your question, you have that. So you had a product that was quite wide and and quite well priced, um, and um, and of course, the brokers could offer similar products. Um, so when you cancel your bond, you, you have a choice normally to carry on with that insurance or to cancel it. Big mistake to cancel it or big mistake not to at least go to your broker and say, listen, I've, I've canceled my bond now. So my debit order is stopping on my bond. Um, can you now bring on cover for me? <clears throat> As I said, it's a very low cost for the risk. I mean, it's devastating, um, you know. <clears throat> I, I firmly believe you know, I'm, I'm very strong. You know, I don't want to get political here, but I'm a very strong believer in land ownership through uh, and, and a person's wealth and assets. Uh, the property should should form part of anybody and everybody's uh, wealth growth uh, going forward. I mean, that's where I think the future um, of wealth creation in South Africa lies is, is acquiring property and, and building your property and then you, you, you're 20 years down the line and you lose everything to a fire just because you weren't willing to pay 100 rand a month. So I think um, 
and and that you know you think oh it's just a house but it's not it could be the security for your business you could have bought a house now and that's why i encourage everybody buy that property try and buy your second property and your third property this is what i think the show is all about um and then look after it that's why the insurance is so important don't let one fire or one slip up or you forget to pay a debit let that whole property go to risk I mean, who would have thought what happened over this weekend and and still continuing would have ever happened in KZN in these days? Who would have ever thought? So I don't think it can't happen. And um, and it's a wake-up call. So, you know, we need to look after what we work for our whole lives. And 100 rand a month for a million rands cover. Come on. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Mark, as you even make reference to that, I've actually got a comment from Usami Mahlata saying insurance is uh, way important, more than, you know, buying takeouts that might cost more or less the same. Let's insure our most valuable things in life. A month ago, I was involved in a car accident and insurance took care of everything. And I remember including access cover so I don't pay anything if I'm involved in a car accident. It's also just understanding that for, for many of us, we know that the insurance amount could very easily, as you know, Semi um, points out, be money that we use for takeaways. So it's, it's not as though the amount is you know, 6,000 rands for insuring your one house or your one car. So it's also about understanding the importance of being adequately insured and the, the, the stress that you get to not experience because you're insured and it's going to be, you know, sorted out. Um, it's, it's as simple as putting your claim in and everything else um, goes smoothly. Matt, before we, we, we end our conversation, any final tips for viewers at home when it comes to handling their insurance, being on top of the insurance, particularly when it comes to, you know, property-related insurance? Because as we're saying, you, you never imagine that you're going to be in the middle of a crisis, whether it's a natural disaster. And I think the reality of climate change has meant that even in areas where we typically didn't get flooding or typically maybe didn't get very cold winters, very hot summers, very short winters. And so climate change is real. And, and understanding what that may potentially uh, mean for how you know our properties may be at risk of certain natural disasters is important. We are seeing every time now in summer the the rains are getting heavier. We're seeing more and more flash floods in different areas. And so it becomes so important that we, we are adequately covered. And it definitely wasn't happening you know, five years ago, but it's now five years later and it's happening. So we need to ensure that we're adequately covered. So any final tips for our viewers at home when it comes to yeah, ensuring I think I'll go back to the covered. opening statements, and that is <clears throat> definitely look at the sums insured. That's mm -hmm. a must. Look at Check that you are adequately insured. You know, work with a broker if you are in the sectional title or HIA, Homeowners Association Environment. Work with a broker that understands that particular industry. Um, that's that's quite important. It's you. I could give you lots of examples. Um, in previous um, shows, I've mentioned the importance that a homeowners association has the evaluation done. I'm still disappointed at the trustees and directors' attitudes towards having valuations done because it's not compulsory. I cannot stress homeowners associations enough. So if you own a home within a homeowners association, 
really press your your directors to get that valuation done. It is devastating when something goes wrong in an HOA even um, with 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 not being adequately covered on the common areas. Um, so yeah, the, those uh, getting adequate cover, but now I think it's more important just to go and make sure that the SASRIA box is ticked on your policy. I mean, that's really a low extra premium. You've got to have an underlying policy to have SASRIA. So you have a normal policy with your normal insurer. All you do is you say to your broker, did you remember that I needed SASRIA cover as well? And if it's not there, you know, get it on. Um, you know, we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know whether this lot is over yet or not, um, or it could flare up again. Um, make sure that you've got enough cover and that Sazria is there. Mm. And that's a great note to leave it at, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us as usual. No pleasure. Go well. And that is Mike Addison, who's an owner at AdShaw, wrapping up the Thursday edition of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Uzamandungwa Kumalo. The Counting Down to Episode 300 is going to be coming to your screens on Monday, so you can look forward to that. It is a Thursday, so you can catch award-winning farmer Umbalunoko on the Farming Podcast at 8 p.m. I'll be back on your screens tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. So then hoping you're staying home and staying safe.